I'm in your egg and everywhere like glitter With diamonds in my face, glitter All I want is to hear from you like glitter Some girls were made to shine Yo, Jules, me again. How many people can actually say they've helped a serial killer? What an amazing story hook for next episode. I cannot wait. I only hope that in the next episode, maybe we'll get a little snippet of Karina talking. (laughs) Karina rules. She's the only other Kiwi I've spoken to on the phone. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I know I've spoken to her on the phone. I think she's the only one other than you. And that's amazing. I love that her name got mentioned on the show. Oh, that just made my morning. Anyway, sure. Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ, the Glitter Episodes. That was Joey from Hindsightless you heard at the top getting pretty hyped about my last Glitter episode. He had a request, just a tiny little request. And so Joey... This next bit is for you, dude. Hey everybody, all of my gems, I've got a special guest joining me on the show today. Uh, our special guest, would you like to say hi? Hello everybody. And and what's your name for those playing along at home and how do you know me? Like, how do you know me and who are you? Hokey doke. So my name is Karina Moore. I am the manager of Posty Coastland Centre and I know Julia slash Jules uh, <laughs> for coming into our store each week, one, making sure I'm doing my job properly, which <laughs> I kind of always am. Sometimes she doesn't see it like that, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, we started off as workmates, now we are friends. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. We we go for these awesome lunch breaks where Karina will take me somewhere new in um, our Capity Coast and I get to see awesome views of stuff and these cool little places to eat and stuff and I really enjoy our lunch breaks. I think they're the best. Today's pretty good. Yeah, today is pretty good. Today Today's kind of a top highlight. Uh, it, it's quintessential Karina, really. Uh, we decided to go to KFC. My choice. My choice. I do love my Kentucky Fried Chicken. And uh, Karina decides to make friends with the person in the window. And how did how 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 did you do that, Karina? Well, Jules was telling me there was a time she went to KFC and she did not get extra seasoning on her chips. So I said, you need to make friends with people so that they do as you want. This so is true. We were at the the window, and um, I said to him, oh, he said it was hot because he wasn't wearing a mask. And I said, yes, it's plucking hot. We thought that was rather funny considering we were at KFC. (laughs) (laughs) Plucking hot. Yes, that's what I have to deal with on a daily basis. Plucking hot. Did you get that? Yeah. (laughs) Did it hurt your soul a little bit or also make you laugh? Because it did me. So after making friends with him, we got not just extra seasoning. We got 
extra, extra seasoning. <laughs> this stuff is coated in snow. <laughs> so next time, team, when you go to KFC, make sure you become friends with the person and you too can get extra, extra seasoning. <laughs> That's right. Karina's extra, extra salty? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, Karina, while I've got you here, something I like to do on these podcasts when I have people visit, especially at this time of the year, because as we know, it's nearly Christmas. So tell me about your favourite thing about Christmas in New Zealand or your favourite thing about Christmas. Okay, one of my favourite things I do every year, probably don't have many years left to do it because my son is 15 now, but as the children were younger, each year we'd go out And we would buy a present for a boy or a girl in a certain age and it's just teaching the kids that there's not always children out there that get many presents. So that's a sort of tradition I like to do. I really enjoy teaching my kids that sometimes people aren't very well off, if you know what I mean. Um, So it's giving someone else a treat. So that's pretty cool. So we do that each year. Um, My favourite thing about Christmas is family time. Um... We tend to have a nice lunch, brunch, whatever, together. And then we tend to go down to the river and play games, swimming. Nice. Yeah, lots of fun. I really enjoy family time and I'm a nana also. So this is extra special because I get little people back in my life and they make it so much fun. Yeah, I agree. Christmas Mm -hmm. is better with little people though. Yep. The magic is very real. All right. Well, thanks for being on Jules from NZ, Karina. Any last words of wisdom or anything you want to leave uh, the gems with? I love words of wisdom. So I'll leave you with this. It's not about the amount of breaths you take, but about the moments that take your breath away. Oh, Karina, you (laughs) take my breath away. Yeah. (laughs) So that was my co-worker and mate Karina. I hope you enjoyed meeting her in this episode and Joey, I hope that made your day. Speaking of Joey, too, how did you enjoy the episode about meeting a serial killer, Joey? Tell me all about it. Made me shiver in that hot sun a little. Awesome, dude. That was that was an amazing story. Uh, yeah. You know, in that situation, especially because you didn't know who she was at first, of course you're going to help. Uh, most people would help. And then as far as continuing to help, it's a weird situation, right? Like, what is what is justice? When is justice ever done? She served the time that she was d- forced to serve, you know? Like, according to all the rules, that's supposed to be justice, right? I don't know. It's that tough thing. And then you wonder, like, what would the parents of one of the murdered babies, the murdered baby that wasn't hers, what if they were the ones that were in that situation to help? What would they do? It's, it's a crazy situation that I hope I never get into. Awesome stuff. Peace out. I am glad you enjoyed it, Joey. <laughs> I think you have some more to say, though, this time on the RPG updates. And then we'll also hear from Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast and Carl of the GMologist Presents. So take it away, lads. Hey, Jules. I'm always excited to see a new episode from you. I get so pumped every time the diamond pops up in my podcast app. So, yeah, awesome. Glad to hear your um, your two paid campaigns are coming along. That's dope. I think it's so cool that you're running the same campaign multiple times. I've never done that. I don't know 
a lot of people that have, and you'll just get such a different perspective. Like you talked about, you'll find spaces to stretch out the role playing. You'll be able to change stuff around if you want. You'll be able to, you know, lean less on the book. Like you talked about. Yeah. I think that's dope. I also think it's dope that those, the two new players to your, uh, Wednesday game are coming along. The idea of playing like, you know, big Viking style brothers. That's a fun trope to play. And I hope they get on with the rest of the group. Congratulations on everything. That's super awesome. Have a great one. And I can't wait for the next episode. Peace out. Hey Jules. Great to hear another podcast from you. You know, my RPG origin story doesn't include the army. My mom actually gave me my first RPG, believe it or not. And the old Mincer basic D&D set back in like 83. But I did play a lot of RPGs in the army. And as Joey said, it is really popular among the American military. You have downtime, what are you going to do? You're going to play D&D or play other games. We played other games too. But yeah, it's, it's pretty widespread throughout the military actually. So there you go. Talk to you next time. I actually don't think backseat DMs suck. Um, well, maybe a vocal back DM would suck, but I think if you have DMs or people who run the game in your party, it elevates your DMship because you want to get rules and rulings correct. That's just me. I mean, I don't know what your experience is. Hopefully you haven't had arguments or vocal expressions of a backseat DM. Maybe that's what you mean by backseat DM. But... Um, I don't know. I think it's a usually a good thing. I mean, I know sometimes and I warn DMs that I play with that I, you know, I will bite my tongue, but, uh, you know, I might grumble, grumble because, you know, I know the DM is in charge, but you, you got to play by the rules. I think that's uh, ultimately uh, what it's like. And I would not mind being corrected if I screwed up a rule. So I hope others would not either. Yeah. Carl, so let's explain what I mean by that, because, you know, that was a sort of an offhanded comment where I was trying to explain that I was trying not to be the one who sort of complained or grumbled, grumbled too much, you know. Um, So backseat DM, I guess why I, I said that backseat DMs suck is more of the, like, correct, the DM on things like story lore or things that don't really matter to how the game is run. I tell everybody who joins my games that I'm not the DM that has all of the rules in my head. I just don't. And I, I'm very upfront about that. Um, I've never been a good rules lawyer or knowing what happens when this rule crosses this rule. I get very investigative later but during the game I tend not to um, focus too hard on any of the rules or anything because I think sometimes uh, that can get in the way of the fun you know if you focus too much on the mechanics of the game then do you miss some of those awesome role play moments or some of the rule of cool elements that like the exciting things that could happen that your players have asked if they could do and instead of getting hung up on like whether they can do it or whatever you miss the moment where it could have been awesome um so I guess that's kind of what I mean when I say that backseat DMs suck a little bit of that you know like um a little bit of like correction 
on the rules is is never a bad thing for me. If somebody knows how the rule actually works, great, cool, tell us. And then we can all just move on with the game. You know, like I don't I don't really have any problems with that. I'm like, ah crap, how does that work again? Or how does that work with the condition frightened or you know, how much movement does that actually give you? Do you do you know, can you just tell me so I don't have to look it up? Great, awesome. Now we can move on with the story and the role play. Um I guess um that that never is a problem for me because because I guess that I've already explained that I'm not the rules lawyer DM. That's not a passion I have. I don't have a need to be right or know all of the information. I'm here to provide a story and if you know the rules better than me, then great. Saves us all time. You know? Um I don't have a hang up about that, I guess. Um but when another DM tells you what should or shouldn't be happening that isn't necessarily like a rules correction but it's just like a how they run their games or or something like that that sucks you know like that sort of stuff sucks or when they're like that's not what I would have done um sitting there or or they're you know role playing their character in a way that does that that that's pretty arse um and I have had that in a game actually in the past and it it was pretty disheartening and and frustrating as a DM when I'm focusing on everybody's enjoyment and I'm just trying to move the story along and things and they're they're like oh I don't run um inspiration like that in my games for instance and I'm like well I do in mine so come on man like just work with me here um especially when rules are clear I'm 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 a good one for outlining how I think things are going to run before I do it and making sure and checking in and all of that kind of stuff and yeah people getting frustrated about things and then vocalizing that based on them being a dm is annoying I guess um yeah does that explain it more I don't know I feel like I've been rambling for a really long time I think yeah yeah, so I, w- I guess my frustration in the moment of if you were going to give it to us anyway, why didn't you just give it to us? Like if you were going to ask us to roll a check of your choice out of nowhere, like not that we've chosen to roll, not that we showed any interest in rolling, um, to, in order to give us the piece of information you clearly wanted to give us, why wouldn't you have just given it to us as part of a role that we were making, that we were interested in? But that's very much me and my DM style. Like I would have probably given it to them even if they didn't quite meet the DC if I really wanted them to know this piece of information, you know? But but he didn't because he was very set on the DC and the rules around it and the mechanics around it, but he really wanted to give us this piece of information, so he just called for a roll. He just picked somebody who was good at that and then got them to roll it, and then then he could give us the piece of information. If I'd complained about that, I feel like that would have made me a backseat DM that sucked, you know, because that's how he ran the game. That's the style of play he wants to run. It's not actually a rules thing or, um, yeah, it's just uh, how he wanted to give that piece of information, you know? 
that's that's the moment that it would have sucked if I complained about it. And I realize that's exactly what I'm doing now. But that's what that's what this podcast is for. Uh, is for me to express express opinion and um, chat about this kind of stuff. But I am really interested in having more of a chat about um, the concept of the backseat DM and, and how people feel about it. So if anybody else has got thoughts on the rambling I just did or any other thoughts about experiences that they've had with other DMs in their group and whether they be good or bad, I'd love to hear them. So um, please call in and tell me all about it. Okay, so now we've come to the bit that I've been dying to talk to you all about, Zealandia and what happened there. So Zealandia, in a very basic way of explaining what Zealandia, the actual place to visit tourist attraction, bird sanctuary is, well, I guess I just did it. Um, It is a bird sanctuary, a pest-free sanctuary, um, basically designed to bring back or help keep um, bringing back some of those endangered bird species that we have here in New Zealand. Um, and it's uh, it's basically funded by being a tourist trap, you know, a, a place where uh, we advertise heavily as a beautiful place to come walk around and enjoy nature and the scenery is incredible and the relaxation is high um but there's also a very real chance of seeing some of those more rare New Zealand birds there because they really are there in in more of an abundance than they are anywhere else so Zealandia contacted uh Questbook to talk to us about um doing an event that would kind of like match what they're doing in their um ecological sustainable you know like good for the good for the world um model and and line that with fantasy where you know we try and save the world as adventurers i mean they're trying to save the birds um they're doing an amazing thing in reality so they wanted to align that with some fantasy savings so um, of course we said yes. We leapt at the opportunity, frankly. Um, they wanted to, like, they didn't really have an idea about D&D. They didn't really know anything about it. They just knew that it was cool and it was fantasy and it seemed like people ran around in forests and that's kind of what they wanted. We had to sort of explain to them the difference between LARPing and what we do and, and they were on board and they kind of got it and they were like, okay, cool, run. Let's do this thing. Um, so we sat down to plan. And, you know, it's a bit of a big job as to what a D&D session looks like when you're getting people to walk around in a forest. Like, do you walk with them and you run the game as one DM and you have this group and you keep working with the same group? Or how do we how do we make it so that they actually experience the bird sanctuary at the same time as they're having a good time playing D&D? We wanted it to feel like a real adventure, feel like they were exploring the sanctuary themselves, less of a guided tour and then stop and roll some dice, you know, which felt a bit pointless really. But if they had to come to the DMs and they had to find us where we were, then they would explore the place and enjoy it um, as they were getting the game. So that's kind of what we decided to go with. Uh we put uh, a lot of thought into the game that we were going to run. Obviously, it was going to be very 
based around Zealandia and what they do. Um, sort of a nod to that, but with fantasy underlines. So we decided to build the world of Zealandia um, that would be in trouble and in strife and you would need to save it. And And basically the strife that we gave it was that the barrier has fallen. So Zealandia in reality, the bird sanctuary has like a, a fence line, which is very heavily defended from pests or, or, or cats and rats and stoats and all of that kind of stuff. Anything that would eat birds basically. Um, yeah, it's very heavily defended. So we were like, okay, let's take that concept and give it a magical like barrier force field to protect um, Zealandia from the outside dark invading forces, you know, dark shadowy forces. Um, we made the dark shadowy forces be like humanoid kind of rat folk or humanoid cat folk to kind of play on that, that tribe. Um, and we made the, the spirit gods of the world, these bird like humanoid figures. So humanoid, but with bird like features. So, for instance, we made the Kiwi an old man who's all hunched over, who wears a brown sort of feathery cloak um, over his back. He's got this massive big hunchback and he sort of leans down a lot. He's got a cane that he's constantly poking outwards um, like the Kiwis sort of dig at the ground with their beaks. So we made those little features in, in and around the, uh, the the humanoid figure we were explaining. So that's kind of how we played on that. I was um, the kakapo, um, which is a night parrot in green and yellow. Um, and I definitely uh, dressed myself up with feathers and mask and had a lot of fun with that. Um, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, so we did, yeah, like I say, heaps of planning. And then COVID and the weather all conspired against us. And we had to delay it, postpone it, delay it, postpone it. It was just super annoying. Um, it was supposed to go ahead like kind of winterish when they're a bit dead. And we knew that the weather might not be great, but we were just kind of going to play that by ear. But COVID really set us back. So we ended up doing it closer to summer, which is, I guess, better. Um, but on the day, we still had pretty shit weather. We ended up just sort of saying to people, look, we're going to go ahead anyway. It's not the world's worst weather. It's a bit drizzly and a bit cold. So you'll definitely need to pack wet weather gear and be ready to get a bit wet. But we're ready to play if you're ready to walk around. And it actually kind of worked out fine. Like it was a really enjoyable time. I didn't get that wet. Um, there was like a bit of walking to and fro that I got a bit wet. But I my station was literally this gorgeous table and little glade, completely forested. And so I had a lot of shelter from the actual trees, which was perfect, you know. Um, so how the event worked, essentially everybody came to the front gate. We picked up our first group and kind of walked to the first station with them. And while we were walking with them, we were introducing them to things like um, their character sheets and getting them to talk about whether they'd known each other as adventurers beforehand, before getting to this. So the, the whole premise was that all received a message in their dreams where Zealandia um, called to them for help and they uh, all traveled individually to the realm gate, stepped through the realm gate and now they're here essentially. So they could have gotten that without knowing any of their fellow adventurers and so letting each group kind of decide whether they already knew each other or whether these people were a surprise to them led to some fun interactions on the walk to the first station we gave them a few sort of 
as you do uh, text box readouts to kind of set the scene and make sure we were all saying the same things because it was five DMs stationed at five points around the um, around the track, and we all had our own little 40-minute section with the players and then they would go for a 10-minute walk to the next DM and then have another 40-minute session with that DM and then have another 10-minute walk. So that's kind of the general basics of how the event worked. We slimmed down the character sheets a lot. They were half an A4 with some basic numbers on them. We we kind of gave them three main types. So there was like a fightery type, a survivalisty type, and a magicy type. Um, we obviously used the the normal D and D classes, but we very much um, there was six people in each group, and there was two people that were kind of of the same type, but like it might be a wizard and a sorcerer or whatever. Um, but they were both magicy types. Um, the survivory types had a map on the back so they were kind of in charge of like where to go and and they were actually physically having to help their group get to the right place as well as having the higher survival traits and that kind of stuff um the fighter types obviously with the strength to carry a lot of stuff they had the equipment lists on the back of their sheets so they were carrying most of the gear essentially and then the um the magic users or the people with higher intelligence or wisdom or that kind of thing they had the story lore kind of on the back of their sheet so they could refer to it and remind themselves what the basic premise of the story was what they were doing here um because that kind of makes sense because they're generally the one with the most information so we kept the character sheets kind of that simple and instead of having like a full skills list we only listed out like four skills which were their good ones didn't mean they couldn't use the other skills from the skills list but it basically meant that for people who hadn't played before or for quick 40 minute sessions you you're generally playing to your strengths anyway so we just put the strengths on the sheet which made it nice and simple then we laminated them gave them a string around their neck and for their hit points, we actually had a physical manifestation of hit points. We had little wooden pegs that they had on their sheets. And if they were hit in combat, they removed a peg and put it in their pocket. And so they were able to see their hit points kind of going down, um, which was fun. Uh, we decided that time was wibbly wobbly on the way to the other sessions. It could be that they'd been traveling for days. It could be that they'd been traveling for minutes to the next location so um it kind of counted for the fact that they could have done a full rest on the way into the next session we also had some basic mechanics around like if you took a photo of a bird on the way that you saw um you could ask your dm for advantage on a roll for showing the picture of the bird that you just took it was kind of awesome because i got to see cool pictures of birds that they'd seen um and uh, they got advantage for it so that was really that was a really fun um little add-in a mechanic for that um so my section my 40 minutes what did i get well we all gave each other a piece of D. if you know what i mean like if you break down what a game is into little chunks and pieces um there's like combat and role play and puzzles and skill checks and you know blah 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 and we just kind of chose like a, a thing that we kind of like doing um, that we thought might match our bird humanoid that we thought might add to the whole experience. Um, and I chose skills checks because I really like skills challenges, you know. Um, and so I built my little encounter around that 
piece of DNT. So essentially, I had some little um, face sprites, uh, and they were the keepers of the feather that they needed to rebuild the feather sword in order to restore the barriers that held Zealandia is the basic concept here. And um, they were the keepers of the feathers and they could release the feathers if they were happy, if they were safe and if they were calm. But the problem is, is the barrier has come down and the dark forces are attacking, right? And so they are angry at this happening. Uh, they are sad at the thought of their, like, friends um, dying or whatever. And they are um, scared, you know, at, for the same reasons, basically. So, so you needed to make these wee sprites calm, safe, and happy in order for the feather to be released, basically. Um, and what this meant was my section was often the, the place that people could let loose and be a bit silly and try things that were out of the box. And I, I, I had two little wee mechanics that I used during um, mechanics. I, I kind of hate that word, but like when I'm trying to explain this, I, I had two little rules, I guess, for the section that I let them know pretty early on. Um, one was that you could get advantage if you did the thing that you were telling me you were doing so if you were like cool I tell them some jokes and that's how I'm gonna cheer them up um and I was like cool absolutely are you telling me a joke to get advantage and they would um and then they would roll with advantage and obviously the odds are better that they do better right so generally most people did the thing they were telling me they were doing so that was kind of cute I got like some little made up bedtime stories and a little spontaneous singing and um, some some juggling that was quite fun. Um, There's a lot of that kind of stuff happening in my sections. Um, I'll talk more about that in a, a second. But um, the other one I did was the power of the group check. So I was explaining the group check to them and how only half of you needed to pass. So if everybody rolls a thing together you know, the odds are better on it being successful and it also is more powerful. So there's less checks needed in total in order to get this feather. And so a few of them definitely took me up on the group checks. You know, they were, they were sort of whispering together, you know, what should we do? Should we, should we sing a song or should we um, do a dance or should we, um, you know, if we, if we do some individual actions to make a group something, will that work? Um, which of course, yes, my, I was playing this very yes and because I wanted their experience of this to be fun, to be light, to be, um, they only had me for 40 minutes. So it was like, look, go, go, go. You know, it was very go, go, go. Um, so it was just like, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Let's see how this rolls, you know? Um, so it was very fun to be so loosey goosey, um, in my section and not really have to worry about too much about like, particular rules or how things might work it was very role play let's have some fun so that was really cool it's my my favorite type of game so my favorite parts of this whole Zealandia experience I think I mean definitely um the the fun I had with my players in my section as I got like guided meditation sessions spontaneous singing there was a group that sung um, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Um, and they all did it together and they were like in the, they, they kept going. I, I think they would have done it for ages if I hadn't stopped them. So they were just enjoying themselves. Um, there was the group who did the Macarena while I sang it. And I don't really know the words. I was just like, I don't know the actual words. 
<laughs> because I don't speak that language. Um, but I was making the mouth sounds that kind of sound like the words, which is probably terrible, but it was hilarious to do um, in the middle of the game. And the group who worked together doing individual actions to make a dance rave with a mower as the rainbow lit disco ball and a campfire being like fanned across the ground to be- provide that smoke machine um, while they all danced around, like actually danced around the table was probably um, some of my favorite moments from from um, Zealandia because obviously I got to see five groups in uh, uh, two days. So I basically saw 10 different groups of, of actions, which was, was great. Um, and then the other thing I really enjoyed about the event is the, the in-jokes that carried through the event from the other DMs, you know? So one of the sessions had a duck that was buried down a well, I think. I'm not really familiar with the other players. We deliberately didn't really talk too much about what we were doing to each other. Kind of basics. And I definitely talked in depth to one of the other DMs as we bounced off each other in our planning sessions. Um, Emily, she's great. Um, but we didn't really like go over in great detail what each other were doing, kind of deliberately. Um, we wanted it to be surprising when we heard it from our players as well, like what what that they'd done in the last event and kind of play off that. But um, yeah, I think there was a duck down a well um, and, and some of the people definitely mentioned it to me that like, I'd have groups turn up and I'd be like, Oh, what did you guys just do? Like what happened in the last session? They were like, we pulled this lever and we nearly drowned in ducks. And I was like, fascinating. Um, <laughs> and then one of them, uh, created a new religion to the dark duck God. Um, so that was really fun. Um, and then there was a macaroni spoon um, and, and there was a macaroni spoon and then there was a fettuccine spoon that turned up in another game. So clearly one of the DMs was doing something with pasta spoons that was memorable enough for the spoon to come back as a joke. And the group, as they said it, they were like, oh, I'll do something with the macaroni spoon. And everybody cracked up laughing. And I'm like, God, I wish I was in on this joke. Um, but, you know, like watching them have a great time bringing those jokes to the next session was awesome. You know, I only hope one of the other DMs had an in-joke come from my session that they were like, this is awesome, I really enjoy this, but I don't understand it. Because um, if somebody down the track was like, let's do the Macarena again, that would make me so happy. Um, so it was an incredible, incredible event. I've never done anything like it on such a large scale um, and on such a huge planning and health and safety scale. Um, I'm so grateful I got to be a part of the incredible team of DMs putting this together. They were just super stellar um I was only a small small piece of this puzzle and uh it was just it was just awesome um it was just awesome and I cannot thank Questbook enough for being you know like big enough that a place like Zealandia um came to us with this concept so it was pretty incredible but anyway, I think that's a wrap for today. I think that's well enough. Uh, coming up, I have more campaign games to tell you about, more home icy games to tell you about. I have a game booked in the weekend, actually, at the newest friendly local gaming store in Wellington called BD&D, who are truly awesome people. Shane um, is the, the owner, manager, whatever dude, the man. Um, and they're already supplying my habit with minis and various D&D traits. Um, and my DM from Fate of Eisen went down there recently to buy some treats you know because you can't help yourself if you know there's a store close by you've got to go um and he went in there and he was like oh yeah one of my players was in here recently and she was talking about uh 
what she'd bought and stuff. And they were like, oh, Jules? Yeah, she's awesome. So now they know me by name. Uh, they obviously booked me for um, uh, a DM. So uh, boom. Yeah, uh, that's pretty sweet. And I'm super pumped to play at the store let alone the new system I picked up at the store recently, which is probably why they remember me. Um, I want to learn it and play it and tell you all about it very soon, but that's a big, big hush-hush secret for reasons. So lots of RPG to come. Um, over in the Aotearoa New Zealand episodes, I have the latest news and happenings in New Zealand for you coming up because it's been a while since I let you know about current events and some backpedaling to some older scripts that I've had sitting waiting for some time to record. So um, we're looking forward to bringing more of New Zealand to you all soon. So personal thanks to my gems, James, Jason, Barry, Laren, KP, Ezekiel and Joey. As usual, I love you all deeply and um, you mean a lot to me. Um, thank you to our call-ins, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Carl of GM presents and a huge thanks to joey of hindsight list for really making this episode special and of course thanks to karina for being our guest on this so if you're enjoying listening to jules from nz please give the show a review on the platform of your choice it all helps me get in front of more people which is awesome you can find me on facebook and instagram and twitter and youtube under jules from nz and i'll be there trying to get my face in front of more people so uh, until then enohora. Kakite ano, aroha nui, and I will see you again soon. Bye for now. Bye.